1: We have already seen how President Trump falsely declared victory on November 3rd, 2020. How he and his team launched a fraudulent media campaign that persuaded tens of millions of Americans that the election was stolen from him. Donald Trump
2: it's June 2022. The January 6th committee has resumed hearings after almost a year of being dark. It had been investigating the Capitol attack behind the scenes. Now in a series of eight hearings over the course of the summer, it will share its findings with the world.
1: We've seen how President Trump and his allies corruptly attempted to pressure Vice President Pence to refuse to count lawful electoral votes and obstruct Congress's proceedings on January 6th, and how he provoked a violent mob to pursue the Vice President and others in our Capitol.
2: At the center of the January 6th attack, Cheney argues is a lie that Trump had won the 2020 election. Stop
0: the steal! Stop the and if we're steal! wrong, we will be made fools of. But if we're right, a lot of them will go to jail. Let's have trial by combat.
1: You will also hear testimony that President Trump rejected the advice of his campaign experts on election night and instead followed the course recommended by an apparently inebriated Rudy Giuliani to just claim he won and insist that the vote counting stop, to falsely claim everything was fraudulent. He falsely told the American people that the election was not legitimate, in his words, quote, a major fraud. Millions of Americans believed him.
2: It's been more than a year since Cheney uttered these words and the committee spelled out its findings first in hearings, and then in its final report. The committee laid out a number of pillars that cried out for accountability. What the committee called the big lie was the first. How has the search for accountability gone? The January 6th committee, after all, could only do so much. It was tasked with investigating what had caused the attack on the Capitol. It looked backward, not forward. It also made a strategic choice that limited what it was able to accomplish. It put the blame squarely on Trump's shoulders.
1: As you can tell, these efforts were not some minor or ad hoc enterprise concocted overnight. Each required planning and coordination. Some required significant funding. All of them were overseen by President Trump.
2: The committee also didn't have the power to punish anyone. It couldn't change the law without a much larger effort by Congress. It couldn't bring criminal charges. And although the committee was laser-focused on Trump, Trump is not the only person responsible for what happened on January 6th. Holding him accountable, even if that eventually takes the form of a criminal conviction, will not be enough to really respond to the threat to American democracy that January 6th represented. As Benny Thompson, chair of the January 6th committee, put it.
3: Our democracy withstood the attack on January 6th. If there is no accountability for January 6th for every part of this scheme, I fear that we will not overcome the ongoing threat to our democracy. There must be stiff consequences for those responsible.
2: So in this season of The Aftermath, we're going to look at the search for accountability in the major thematic areas the committee identified. For each of them, we're going to look at one particular example of someone other than Trump. And we'll ask the question, what has accountability looked like for that person, and for people like them? We start where Thompson and Cheney started, with the big lie, and the man who, other than Trump, was the most central to its propagation, Rudy Giuliani. Giuliani led the effort to spread the lie in the courts, in the media, and among state authorities. He headed a team of Trump lawyers and insiders who together executed Trump's plan to use falsehoods to change reality.
0: And most people don't want to get disbarred, like I was. Most of the people don't want to be driven into bankruptcy, which they try to do, and most people can't stand up when they're doing the right thing, but they get viciously attacked for it. All I care about is if I can be honest with myself. I don't give a goddamn what my legacy.
2: From Lawfare and Goat Rodeo, this is the aftermath, season two, episode one, the grossly impudent lie. I'm your host, Natalie Orpet. The January 6th committee talked a lot about the big lie. It was a provocative phrase for describing the lie that sparked an insurrection. Because the phrase, the big lie, actually comes from Hitler's book, Mein Kampf, in which the future dictator accused Jews of being masters of lies. It's a passage that is often quoted today for what it says about the Nazis' own use of falsehoods in its propaganda. Here's journalist Esther Ranson recounting how Hitler himself defined the big lie. And uh, I need to quote him accurately. He said, if you want to persuade the crowd, the public, a nation to believe and follow you, you have to tell the big lie, not just a little lie, a big one, because he said, It would never come into their heads to fabricate colossal untruths, and they would not believe others could have the impudence to distort the truth so infamously. Perhaps ironically, the phrase has been used in the American political lexicon even by Trump himself, who has tried to appropriate it for his own purposes, much the way he did with the phrase, fake news. He put out a statement right after the election, saying... The fraudulent presidential election of 2020 will be, from this day forth, known as the Big Lie. The Big Lie had a lot of threads. There were claims of fraud. There were claims of voting systems changing votes. There were even claims that Chinese thermostats and Italian satellites were interfering in the election. It's safe to say... That not all of the thousands of Trump supporters who turned up at the Capitol on January 6th embraced the craziest of the conspiracy theories. But the belief that Trump had won was the core of the movement that led to January 6th. If he'd won, why didn't the election results reflect that? Something, or someone, must have intervened to unlawfully steal the election for Joe Biden, right? Hence the phrase, stop the steal. Some of the claims were a little more plausible than thermostats and satellites and dead foreign presidents hacking voting machines. The core of the fraud allegations claimed that people voted twice, that fake ballots were introduced at the counting stage, that dead people were voting, and the like. There was no evidence of any of it but a lot of people believed it. Here's Aaron Blake, a reporter for The Washington Post.
4: The the central thing that draws it together is, is grasping for anything that casts doubt upon the results in people's minds, and then using that doubt to try and leverage the system to overturn the, the election, and then to build a political movement around this manufactured sense of persecution and and political malfeasance.
2: Trump and his allies spun a web of lies to justify their attempts to keep him in office. The person at the center of that web? Rudy Giuliani.
4: Giuliani is somebody who I think mattered more to the big lie than virtually anybody else. He gave this at least the veneer of credibility, I think, in a lot of people's minds.
2: Trump and Giuliani go back a long way.
4: Trump and Giuliani's relationship is is kind of singular. Um, they they were in some ways meant for each other. Um, their their interactions with one another date back. Uh, more than a quarter century. When when Giuliani was mayor, Donald Trump was a, a big booster and, and it worked in return as well. They seem to be simpatico in a lot of ways. They, they both value loyalty. They both have certainly a conspiratorial bone in their bodies. They're both practicing a, a brand of politics that is very bare knuckle uh, and no holds barred.
2: It's worth taking a step back here. Rudy Giuliani is subjected to a lot of criticism and even mockery these days. But for a while, he was a distinguished, well-respected lawyer. He served high-level jobs at the Justice Department under the Ford and Reagan administrations. He was the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York in the 1980s, where he came to prominence after several high-profile prosecutions, including the leaders of the Five Families. Then he shifted to politics. He narrowly lost his bid for mayor of New York in 1989, but won in 1993, and was resoundingly re-elected in 1997.
4: After the 2001 terrorist attacks after 9-11, Giuliani was maybe the second most popular political figure in America after George W. Bush. More than 70% of Americans had a favorable opinion of Giuliani.
0: For every single person touched by this unthinkable tragedy, there's been one man who, above all others, has been the beacon holding this city together and leading it forward.
1: He is the mayor of New York City Rudy Giuliani?
2: For years afterward, a cadre of supporters continually urged Giuliani to run for president. Finally, in 2007, he entered the race. His critics claimed he was simply trying to capitalize on his role as mayor during a national tragedy. One of those critics was Joe Biden, who was also running for president in 2007.
0: And the irony is Rudy Giuliani, probably the most underqualified man since George Bush to seek the presidency. I mean, think about it. There's only three things he mentioned in a sentence, a noun and a verb in 9-11. I mean, there's nothing else. There's nothing else.
2: Giuliani spent a year as the frontrunner only to see his campaign fail spectacularly. even after the crash and burn of his 2008 campaign, he was still chiefly remembered as a historic mayor and someone who commanded broad respect across the political spectrum. He could have retreated from politics after that He could have secured his legacy as a nearly universally respected mayor who had led his city and the country through one of the biggest tragedies in American history,
4: but then he made a choice to um, to do many things that people, I think, initially were surprised about that he would he would go to this level in, in the service of helping Trump. And and what's followed since then is is something that's going to define both men for a very long time.
2: Giuliani wasn't one of Trump's earliest backers, and when he first started expressing support for Trump, it was rather tepid. Gradually that changed.
4: Giuliani delivered a very significant speech to the 2016 Republican National Convention, which kind of uh, gave license to some more mainstream Republicans to believe that Trump was potentially on their side.
0: Washington needs a complete turnaround, and Donald Trump is the agent of change, and he will be the leader of the change we need.
2: Giuliani's speech was more significant than it may have seemed. It wasn't just that he wholeheartedly supported Trump. It was the fact that he was the one delivering this message, a celebrated, well-respected, established political figure, America's mayor. Giuliani had credibility with Republican moderates, so you could say that his endorsement gave them permission, or maybe cover, to throw their support behind Trump as well. Indeed, Giuliani along with New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, was important in making a Trump vote respectable in moderate Republican circles. Over the course of the campaign, Giuliani became something of a mainstay in Trump's political life. And from the very start, he played a major role in efforts to delegitimize the Democratic system. He was a key voice in spreading the doubts about election integrity that eventually blossomed into the big lie. Remember that Trump claimed he had been robbed of victory in Iowa during the Republican primaries. And when he thought, along with everyone else, that he was going to lose the general election in 2016, he started talking about voter fraud.
4: You have been warning at rallies recently that
0: this election is rigged and that Hillary Clinton is in the
4: process of trying to steal it. From you.
5: What I've seen is so bad. If you look at your voter rolls, you will see millions of people that are registered to vote. Millions. This isn't coming from me. This is coming from Pew Report and other places.
2: Millions of people that are registered to vote. Giuliani's message reinforced Trump's.
4: Giuliani has a history of pushing the idea of elections being rigged. And at that time, Giuliani actually provided something of a character witness on this. Giuliani began talking about his 1989 campaign for mayor. Uh, When I ran for
0: mayor of New York City uh, the first time, uh, some people voted eight and ten times.
4: Where he suggested that there had been extensive malfeasance. You know, in some ways, the kind of things that Trump would soon start talking about.
2: In other words, Giuliani's backing made Trump's allegations of voter fraud seem less anomalous. After all, he had started priming people to be suspicious of elections more than 25 years earlier. As we all know, Trump won the 2016 election. Perhaps surprisingly, Giuliani did not follow him into office. He never actually served in government during Trump's administration. Nonetheless he was a key figure in some of the most memorable controversies of Trump's time in office. One of those controversies involved the question of Russian interference in the 2016 elections and whether Trump had any part in it. Giuliani played a prominent role there, too.
4: The kind of official joining of the two came towards the end of the Russia investigation when Giuliani became Donald Trump's lawyer in that.
2: It didn't stop there. In mid-2019, as the 2020 election was getting underway, Giuliani got involved in Trump's efforts to seek political dirt on his presumptive opponent, Joe Biden. Their efforts included Trump's famous phone call to Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, you know, the one that later served as the basis for his first impeachment. Giuliani made his own call to Ukraine, with the same purpose— and with the same ask,
0: all we need from the president is: I'm going to put an honest prosecutor in charge. He's going to investigate and dig up the evidence that presently exists.
4: And I think that's really the the episode that cemented what we've seen in the years since then, uh, you know, which is basically going to bat for Trump by doing things that other people may not be prepared to do that are maybe. Ethically uh, um, suspect, which Giuliani even acknowledged at the time while talking about his efforts in Ukraine. And everything really has flowed from that point.
2: So, by the time the 2020 election rolled around, Giuliani had established himself as a real Trump insider, someone who really had the president's ear. Remember, this election is happening at a particularly tumultuous time after a summer of protests following the murder of George Floyd, amidst outbreaks of political violence, in the depths of the COVID pandemic. It was an environment ripe for conspiracy theories.
0: Because of the pandemic, some states are making a rapid transition to mail-in balloting, going from lightly used, well, to a deluge.
2: Kyle Cheney, a reporter for Politico, was closely watching Trump in the lead up to the 2020 election. He says that Trump seized on the dramatic rise in mail-in ballots to sow doubt about whether the election would be fair. It wasn't about protecting people from being infected with COVID while they stood in line to vote, Trump suggested. It was about setting the scene for massive voter fraud. Here's Kyle.
3: Donald Trump began sort of laying the groundwork to convince people the election was stolen many months before the election, talking about the likelihood of mail-in balloting fraud.
5: Bad things, we have to be very careful because they're trying it again with this whole 80 million mail-in ballots that they're working on. And it's not fair, and it's not right, and it's not going to be possible to tabulate. And you have to watch. Every one of you, you have to watch.
2: And yet again, Giuliani was there to echo Trump's claims in the months before the election, he too started going on TV and making speeches, decrying the use of mail-in ballots and warning of the risk of fraud.
0: The highly unusual, almost mathematically impossible reduction in the vote in that period of time also raises the question that the ballots were tampered with.
2: By the time election day arrived and the results appeared to be tilting in Biden's direction, Trump and Giuliani had already spent months convincing a wide swath of the electorate to expect a steal that needed to be stopped. A year and a half later, the January 6th committee would hold a hearing that attempted to reconstruct what had happened in the White House that day.
5: Rather than accept the results of the election, Mr. Trump pursued a different strategy. He tried to convince the American people the election had been stolen. Many of his supporters believed him And many still believe him today.
2: The select committee presented witnesses who testified that as the day wore on, divisions emerged within the Trump team. Trump campaign manager Bill Stepien said that he had cautioned Trump to wait until the ballots had been counted. Things were too uncertain. Here's Stepien speaking to the committee in June 2022.
4: Ballots were still being counted. Ballots were still going to be counted for days.
5: My recommendation was to say that votes were still being counted. um, And we'll have more to say about this, you know, the next day or the next day, whenever we had something to say.
2: But another witness, Jason Miller, testified that Giuliani, whom Miller said was definitely intoxicated, was pushing a different approach.
4: I think effectively Mayor Giuliani was saying we want it. They're stealing it from us. Where'd all the votes come from? We need to go say that we won. And essentially that anyone who didn't agree with that position it was being weak.
2: And that's what Trump did. At 2.30 a.m., even as ballots were still being counted, he declared victory.
0: This is a fraud
5: on the American public. This is an embarrassment to our country. We were getting ready to win this election. Frankly, we did win this election. We did win this election.
2: But four days later, the real results were finally in.
4: CNN projects Joseph R. Biden Jr. is elected the
0: 46th president of the United States, winning the White House and denying President Trump a second term. We're able to make
2: this project. This is when the big lie was truly born. Politico reporter Kyle Cheney explains how Trump reacted.
3: Of course, after the election pushed sort of these outlandish claims of election fraud, made claims about the results that were just completely devoid of fact, and and mobilized his campaign apparatus to push those falsehoods and really condition millions of his supporters to believe the election had been stolen. That is sort of a key element of, of that Scheme, I guess, that both led to what happened on January 6th because millions of people really believed it and thought their country was in peril, and then also led to that now intensifying look at the higher level attempts to undermine the election.
2: Once again, Rudy Giuliani is at the center of it all. Here again is Washington Post reporter Aaron Blake.
4: Giuliani was everywhere after the 2020 election. This involved Filing lawsuits. This involved traveling to various state legislatures and and you know doing hearings about supposed evidence of voter fraud. This involved media appearances, uh, going on Fox News, and having you know these claims aired in a rather credulous way. He basically did everything he could in the in the after election period to plant these seeds of doubt in Americans' minds about the validity of the election results and would do anything, go on any platform it took to try and make that happen.
2: It started within days of the election. On November 7th, in what would become one of his more memorable public appearances, Giuliani announced a press conference at the Four Seasons in Philadelphia, which ended up being not a fancy hotel, but rather a landscaping company located next to a sex shop and across the street from a crematorium. In his remarks, Giuliani made his case that the election had been mired in fraud.
0: Those mail-in ballots could have been for anybody. Those mail-in ballots could have been written the day before by the Democratic Party hacks that will roll over the convention center.
2: It continued from there. Here's Giuliani on November 15th in an appearance on Fox News.
1: Is the president right now conceding this election?
0: No, 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 far from it. So he is contesting it vigorously. As he's gotten more evidence of the rigging that went on, he's really outraged, and I am too.
2: Here he is on November 19th, at a press conference at the Republican National Committee headquarters.
0: This is not a singular voter fraud in one state. This pattern repeats itself in a number of states.
2: Then, on November 22nd, Giuliani called the Speaker of the Arizona House of Representatives, Rusty Bowers, as Bowers later told the January 6th committee.
0: You said that they did have
5: proof, Uh, and you asked him for evidence of that. I did. Did you ever receive from him that evidence uh, either during the call, after the call, or to this day? Never.
2: Here he is at an unsanctioned meeting of Arizona Republican lawmakers on November 30th.
0: This election was the subject of a conspiracy that goes back before the election. A conspiracy that was hatched by the crooked leaders of the Democratic Party.
2: And here he is, on December 10th, before the Georgia State Senate.
0: You have uh, live from Atlanta, you've got voter fraud right in front of people's eyes. Blatant, clear, obvious. You have to be a fool to ignore it or, or worse.
2: But in Georgia, Giuliani took it all one step farther. This time, he pointed to a specific incident, which he held out as proof of the fraud he'd been alleging. It targeted two volunteer election workers, by name.
0: Of Ruby Freeman and Shay Freeman-Maws, quite obviously, surreptitiously passing around USB ports as if they're vials of heroin or cocaine. I mean, it's outsta- it's, it's obvious to anyone who's a criminal investigator or prosecutor, they are engaged in surreptitious illegal activity again that day.
2: This was a lie. One of the many smaller, malicious lies that constituted the big lie. We'll come back to this particular lie later on. But let's pause here for a moment. Because Giuliani wasn't the only one amplifying the big lie. Far from it. Of course, there was Trump himself but there were many others, too. There were the lawyers who had filed all the other lawsuits, 62 suits by January 6th. Trump lawyer Sidney Powell, for example, filed lawsuits in Michigan, Wisconsin, Georgia, and Arizona. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton sued four states in the U.S. Supreme Court. Arizona State Senator Kelly Ward and Texas Representative Louis Gohmert sued Vice President Pence in Texas and on, and on. There was a constant media blitz of Trump advisors peddling the most blatant untruths in an effort to discredit the election results. And, of course, there were the architects and proponents of the fake electors scheme, which we'll talk about next episode. Finally, there were some of Trump's biggest champions, some members of Congress, Another political storm is brewing in Washington as Republican lawmakers gear up to contest the Electoral College results, and that will happen during Wednesday's joint session.
0: One of the senators leading that charge, Josh Hawley. I have heard from people like I've never heard before over the last month about this election. They have major, major concerns about
4: the integrity, the fairness of this election, and they expect me
2: to stand up... So think of Giuliani here less as an actor on his own than as the captain of an informal team a team that ranged from fringe conspiracy theorists to some very respectable people, who got together to use a lie to reverse the result of a democratic election. We know how it all turned out. Notwithstanding the barrage of lawsuits, the pressure campaigns, and the political maneuvering, Trump failed to hang on to power. So, on January 20th, he left office. He wasn't quiet on his way out.
5: I want to provide an update on our ongoing efforts to expose the tremendous voter fraud and irregularities which took place during the ridiculously long November 3rd election.
2: And he made it very clear that he believed Joe Biden was not the legitimate president. He blocked his administration from cooperating with the Biden transition team. He never gave a concession speech. Trump even refused to attend Biden's inauguration, making him the first outgoing president in recent memory to repudiate this symbol of democracy, the image of an outgoing president as front-row witness to the installation of his successor, the personification of the peaceful transition of power. Trump's most vocal supporters didn't back down either. Instead, the big lie took a new shape— As a mechanism for undermining Americans' faith in democracy, for delegitimizing Joe Biden's presidency, and ultimately, for paving the way for Trump's return to office. But the singular focus of the big lie, keeping Trump in office, had become moot at noon on January 20th. As Trump supporters gradually acknowledged that Trump would not be reinstated as president, the acute danger that Trump would illegally seize power, subsided. But has there been accountability for the big lie? And if so, where has it come from? The story here is mixed and still incomplete. Whenever someone is the subject of public lies that damage reputations, one possible form of accountability is a lawsuit. Because in the United States, You can't just lie without consequences if someone gets hurt. That's what defamation laws are for. The big lie, after all, had real victims. Those who had been falsely accused of effectuating the fraud. Those who had been blamed for it. And some of these people demanded that those who defamed them by spreading the lie be held liable. They zeroed in on the messengers. Rudy Giuliani, Sidney Powell... Tucker Carlson. But they also went after the facilitators, like Fox News, OAN, and other conservative media outlets that had promoted the big lie. The first suits came from electronic voting system manufacturers Smartmatic and Dominion. Trump and his allies had issued bizarre, unsubstantiated claims that the companies had rigged the election. Here's Washington Post reporter Aaron Blake.
4: In the Dominion and Smartmatic lawsuits, Giuliani is effectively alongside a bunch of people who went on Fox News, tweeted, publicly talked about the idea that voting machines were somehow involved in rigging the election. There remains zero evidence for this. It has been debunked endlessly. But some of these comments were were very firm. Sometimes these were stated as facts.
2: In February 2021... Smartmatic filed a $2.7 billion defamation suit against Fox News and others, including Rudy Giuliani. Then, in March, Dominion filed suit against Fox News and several other defendants, including Giuliani personally, seeking more than $10 billion in damages. After months of litigation, it looked like the Dominion v. Fox suit was going to trial. But in what seemed like the final hour— the big news came out. Dominion got a historic settlement, over $700 million.
0: The Fox Corporation clearly deciding it was better to pay the money than have their star anchors try to explain under oath the election denialism and disinformation they either spread themselves or help spread by giving others who are lying a platform night after night after night.
2: And there were other ripple effects, too. Famed Fox News anchor Tucker Carlson was pushed out of the network shortly thereafter. Aaron Blake says that the Dominion settlement was also meaningful for Giuliani, even though he's not a party to it.
4: The case against him, judging by that settlement, would seem to be a very significant one and potentially a fruitful one for those who are bringing these lawsuits. And I think that, you know, more than any of these other civil lawsuits that Giuliani faces, this is the kind of thing that threatens to, really hurt him financially, I think that these, these lawsuits are really the big ones to watch out for when it comes to at least the civil accountability that Giuliani could face.
2: Not all of the defamation lawsuits have been brought by voting machine manufacturers, though. Remember Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss? They're the Georgia election workers whom Giuliani had accused of rigging the election in Fulton County. Giuliani told Georgia state legislators that they had been passing around USB ports as if they were vials of heroin or cocaine. In reality, as Moss later told the January 6th committee, she and her mother had been passing a ginger mint. And Giuliani's lies about them, she said, had ruined her life.
5: This turned my life upside down. I no longer give out my business card. I don't want anyone knowing my name. I don't want to go anywhere with my mom because she might yell my name out over the grocery aisle or something. I've gained about 60 pounds. I just don't do nothing anymore. I don't want to go anywhere. I second-guess everything that I do. It's affecting my life in in a major way, in every way, all because of lies.
2: So in December 2021, Moss and Freeman sued Giuliani, One America Network, and the Gateway Pundit for defamation. What's happened in Giuliani's part of this case is actually a nice little vignette for what accountability can look like. It started with a lie, Giuliani's accusation, which he repeated more than once. But even after he'd been sued, Giuliani continued to defy the rules. It ultimately earned him a default judgment, a court ruling that because he hadn't shown up in court to defend himself, Moss and Freeman had won their suit. The actual consequences of his lie wouldn't become clear until the end of 2023, almost exactly three years since Giuliani first made Freeman and Moss targets of the big lie. A jury ordered Giuliani to pay them $148 million in damages. Days later, Giuliani filed for bankruptcy. And yet, he continued to lie. Here's Giuliani on the courthouse steps. Only moments after the jury delivered its verdict, do
1: Do you still believe that what you said about these two women in the wake of the 2020 election was truthful? Do you still believe these claims? I have have no doubt.
0: I have no doubt that my comments were made and they were supportable and are supportable today.
2: Freeman and Moss have filed another suit in response to Giuliani's new lies. So one type of accountability can come in the form of civil lawsuits. Those harmed by the lies can sue and potentially impose significant financial costs on the liars. There's another form of accountability that Giuliani and some of the others have faced. The legal profession has begun to weigh in to enforce professional standards. After all, many of the most prominent pushers of the big lie were lawyers, and lawyers must follow certain rules including making arguments on the basis of fact and acting with candor and honesty toward the court. We'll talk about many of these other lawyers in our next episode. As for Rudy Giuliani, he faced accountability from multiple quarters. He was a member of the bars of New York and Washington, D.C., and they both came after him. It's the New York State Bar Association now taking action against former New York City mayor and Trump attorney Rudy Giuliani. Today it launched an inquiry into Giuliani's fiery comments he made at the rally just before the siege. We also
0: learned this week that an attorney disciplinary
2: committee recommended
0: that Rudy Giuliani be disbarred in Washington, D.C. for his efforts on behalf of...
2: So Giuliani, the former DOJ high-level official the former U.S. attorney for one of the most powerful districts in the country, is now forbidden from practicing law because he lied. There's one more form of accountability he's confronting right now, and that is in the court of public opinion. The man once revered as America's mayor is now being relentlessly criticized, shamed, even ridiculed.
4: There is no question that Rudy Giuliani has undergone a fall from grace and it's not just the legal issues that he's facing. We've we've seen a number of uh, kind of embarrassing episodes uh, over the last few years, especially in the post-election period. Once the toast of New York, Rudy now spends his evenings broadcasting an hour-long internet show from his Manhattan apartment to, I guess, a couple of thousand viewers. His sole advertiser, Balance of Nature Vitamins, which the former mayor plugs in between his rants about Joe Biden and Yes, the deep state.
2: So yes, Giuliani is seeing consequences for his actions, as are others who helped propagate the lie. He's facing financial ruin. His decades-long career as an accomplished lawyer may be forced to a shameful end because authorities in New York and D.C. have concluded that he must be banished from the profession. And his reputation has taken a serious hit. He's not the only one.
4: In our politics lead, she was one of the most prominent voices pushing the big lie on behalf of Donald Trump. But now, right-wing lawyer Sidney Powell is admitting that the big lie was, well, a big lie.
2: Now, Jenna Ellis is joining the ranks of Sidney Powell and Kenneth Chesrell. If I knew then what I know now, I would have declined to represent Donald Trump in these post-election challenges. But is that enough? Is it enough that the propagators of the big lie may be facing monetary penalties, professional sanction, and public shaming? After all, this is about what people said. And in the United States, we feel pretty strongly about free speech. So maybe this is what accountability should look like? It's something Politico reporter Kyle Cheney has been thinking about.
3: People have the right to lie. They have the right to to sort of... Say the election was stolen, even if it wasn't, they have the right to say there was fraud, even if there wasn't. There is some, there is a difficult question about about can someone's you know fervent belief or even lie, intentional lie about election fraud be something that's that crosses into criminality?
2: In some ways, that's the real question. Was any of this a crime? Because for many Americans, accountability means jail, or at least being charged as a criminal. So what, if anything, has happened on that front? Fulton County District Attorney Fani Willis has brought a sprawling criminal case against Trump and 18 others, including Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell, for alleged election interference and conspiracy.
5: There's more breaking news. Uh, you're now looking at the mugshot of former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani. It was taken just a little while ago when he was officially booked on charges of conspiring to overturn the 2020 election.
2: And there's special counsel Jack Smith's case in federal court in D.C. That one only brings charges against Donald Trump. But the indictment describes several unindicted co-conspirators who are pretty easily identifiable. Co conspirator number one has been identified as Rudy Giuliani in the press. Sidney Powell is believed to be co conspirator number three, and so on. We'll get back to some of the other presumptive unnamed co conspirators in later episodes. In both cases, the big lie is central to the indictment. The Fulton County indictment opens with these lines Defendant Donald John Trump lost the presidential election held on November 3, 2020. One of the states he lost was Georgia. The indictment goes on to allege that Trump and his co-conspirators refused to accept the loss and decided instead to join a conspiracy to change the outcome of the election. The federal indictment also zeroes in on the big lie right away. Its opening lines read, The defendant lost the 2020 presidential election. Despite having lost, the defendant was determined to remain in power. The indictment goes on to allege that Trump and his co-conspirators spread lies about fraud for more than two months after the election, even though they knew they were false. So the propagators of the big lie are definitely facing a reckoning, though it may seem to be happening in slow motion. But even now, when the criminal justice system is finally confronting them, it will be a long time before anything is resolved. Which means that now, with the next presidential election on the horizon, we don't know what accountability for the big lie will look like. And in the meantime, the lie itself has continued to metastasize. Kyle Cheney continued tracking the big lie even after Trump left office. As he explains it, Republicans realized that they still needed Trump.
3: I mean, there was this recognition that the Trump base was still essential to the Republican coalition to to win national elections, and so we can't totally get rid of them um, if we're gonna hope to ever succeed as a party.
2: And if they needed Trump, they would have to take the big lie along with him.
3: And then because of that, because Trump sort of given a, a chance to sort of come back into the fold, he began asserting himself more in terms of the the fraud argument, still central to his identity, that he was actually the winner of the 2020 election um, and so has operated that way ever since. And that, that's how it became the litmus test, was Trump regained his foothold in the party, strengthened it, if anything, and now has essentially said, you're, if you if you weren't with me on that, if you're not with me now on that, then I can destroy you.
2: In other words, The Big Lie is as malignant as ever. One place where the Big Lie has seen no accountability at all is in Congress. Of the many members of Congress who have embraced it, none has seen professional sanction. None has faced a ruinous defamation suit. None has been prosecuted for crimes. At least not yet. The Aftermath is a production of Lawfare and Goat Rodeo. I'm your host, Natalie Orpet. Series executive producers are Benjamin Wittes and me. Production and story editing at Goat Rodeo from Max Johnston. Senior producers are Catherine Pompilio of Lawfare and Megan Nadolsky and Ian Enright of Goat Rodeo. Scripting by me, Catherine Pompilio and Benjamin Wittes. Additional production assistance from Isabel Kirby-McGowan, Jay Venables, Kara Schillen, Anna Hickey, and Caleb Benjamin. Cover art by Ian Enright. To learn more about Lawfare or to support our work, visit our website at lawfaremedia.org.